Welcome to another episode of the Guildhall School Events Podcast. I'm joined today by cast and crew from our double bill coming up in Milton Court Theatre, South Downs and the Browning version. With me today are designers Susanna Henry, actors Frankie Wakefield and Edward Sayer, Liam Summerfield, Chief Electrician, and Martin Wade, Technical Manager. I'm sure you're quite excited for the, for the production, which for many of you is the first uh, production of the year, which is ticketed. Um, and you know whatever pressures that entails, we'll come on to a bit later. But I thought to start off with, we might ask um, ask Frankie what the plays are about and how they how they link together. First and foremost, they are two plays, one act plays set in public schools. Uh, the Browning version is set in 1948, and South Downs is set in 1962. So there's a bit of a, a gap between them, and essentially, they're about uh, and correct. Correct me if you want to say anything else, but they're about social outsiders. And one is told from the perspective of a boy at the school, and the other, which is South Downs, and the other is told from one of the master's perspectives, who has been teaching for 18 odd years. And it's kind of, I get the sense that one with South Downs, you're learning Blakemore, who is the, the, the boy, he learns the rules of public school and how to survive it. And in Browning version, you sort of see, having learnt the rules, how a master, Andrew Cocker Harris, breaks free of the public school um, sort of survival method. Um, he's about to retire and move on. And Blakemore's just come into his second year, so he's got the rest of the, his, his public school life ahead of him. Do you, do, you, do you feel like um, they both relate to, to each other? Does it feel like a, like a continuation of the story or do they feel like two separate plays? I mean, they're definitely two separate plays. Um, they're set in different schools. South Downs is set in Lansing College and we assume that uh, the Browning version is set in Harrow School, although the name of the school is not mentioned. That's where Rattigan went. Which is where Rattigan went. And um, there's other references which, which give that, that indication. Um, so they're definitely not part of the same story, but in a way they're, this, you know, they're two sides of the same coin. As Frankie said, one told from the perspective of a master, one told from the perspective of a boy. Um, and for me, one very strong thematic um, link is redemption through simple acts of kindness. In both plays, there's a turning point in both plays um, where a huge change is um, initiated for a character by an act of kindness from essentially a stranger. I mean, in the Browning version, it's from one of Andrew Crocker Harris, who's the master, um, one of his students. Um, so he, he knows him, but it's, it, in a sense, from a stranger. And in uh, South Downs, it's from uh, Duffield, who's a friend of Blakemore's. Um, mother who comes and has tea and cake with him. That sounds lovely. <laughs> <laughs> it actually really is lovely. It's a really lovely scene. So do you, do you, are you both in um, each act? Or are, no. do, you, do you have different casts for those? Um, most of us are only in one. There's a couple of crossovers uh, playing different characters, but a couple of guys are in both pieces. Most of us are in either South Downs or Browning version. Okay, and Frankie, you're, um, I've been told by the rest of the crew here, that you're playing a 14-year-old boy, I am. and you have to go and get your legs 
waxed soon. I do. <laughs> uh, um, how do you? I mean, obviously, you have at one point been a fourteen-year-old boy. Do you yes. just draw on experience, or do you? How do you research that that um, sort of role? A lot. Of, I mean, we were just talking about a lot of it is. Uh, co- I find costume helps it, generally in my process as an actor. I find costume helps, but specifically with with South Downs and playing a fourteen-year-old boy, because I went to grammar school. So it's not quite public school, but it sort of had the airs of that sort of education. So I had to wear blazers, ties, shirts, um, shorts. Um, and it's, there's something in me, a physical muscle memory, that I can put that costume on and physically it changes me. And therefore mentally I sort of am taken back to when I was 14 years old. The, the trick is, you, as a 26-year-old, you can't play a 14-year-old boy. You can't play a 14-year-old boy. You can play the situation that he finds himself in. For example, the relationship with masters and struggling to know who you are and where you fit in this weird world that you've just been thrown into. Um, he's a boarder, so he doesn't see his family. And all of these sort of things, the circumstances of Blakemore are quite tangible. Whereas obviously a 14-year-old boy is, you know, everyone has a a different idea of a 14-year-old boy. So a lot of it is to do with costume, um, physicality. There's something about 14-year-old boys tend to be quite limmy um, because they're, you know, shooting through puberty and all their limbs are growing. And so there's a sort of lack of control in in that sense. Um, And there there is a carelessness that you sort of learn to somewhat bottle as you grow up. Um, so a lot of my process has just been letting that out. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned costume um, because we've got Susanna Henry, who's the designer for, for both Southdowns and the Brownie version, sitting with us. Um, Susanna, I'm just wondering how you did your research into the sort of grammar or public school um, boys sort of world. Well, um, for the Browning version, actually, the the setting for that play is the sitting room of the Crocker Harrises. So that's one sort of particular kind of research, which is more about sort of um, uh, styles of the period and also what's gone before, because obviously in 1948, nobody has a living room full of furniture that was built and bought in 1948. So a lot of the Crocker Harrises furniture is earlier. So I did research in that way, just looking at people's sitting rooms, people of their sort of class, um, thinking about uh, Andrew's uh, academic career and what sort of person his wife might be. And then for South Downs, which is set in a series of locations in a school, um, I did lots of looking at photographs of school buildings in general. So for a particular kind of school, as, as both of these um, plays are showing, um, actually school buildings don't change that much. There isn't, a, there is a sort of, a very, I suppose, a very kind of classically 1960s style of comprehensive, because at that point, every, lots of buildings are springing up, people are being taught in free prefabs. But in the public school system, actually, people are still being taught in the same buildings that they've been taught in for 100 years, perhaps. So I did lots of looking at um, old school buildings and the kind of surfaces you find in them. So whether that's old lino floors or stone flagging floors, the wood panelling in um, assembly halls or dining halls, uh, the kind of lighting you get in different sorts of classrooms. So knowing that South Downs is set in the 60s, that is the sort of era where you find fluorescent lights. 
so uh, knowing that that would be a difference between uh, the Browning version and and South Down. So it's details like that really. It was trying to just establish those sorts of surfaces, surfaces. But having said that, there's actually not a great deal of set in the design for South Downs. It's deliberately a very spare um, kind of presentation because uh, the play jumps around between multiple locations. So we have a very limited palette of furniture in which we uh, describe, we kind of create a series of different environments, but it's it's quite a spare contemporary style of design. With us as well, we've got uh, Martin Wade, and Liam Sunfield. Martin, you're the technical manager. Yep. And Liam, you're chief electrician. Yep. Is that about right? Yep. Um, how do you guys work with Susanna to sort of achieve her her vision for the plays? Um, so my role as technical manager, I look after everything basically that's flying in the show, um, any rigging that he's doing. So Susanna's design had a lot of um, flying lampshades. Um, so it's been my job to look at how to fly all of those. Um, Getting um, getting them flown safely and around the rest of the lighting rig, working with Liam. There's the iris as well. Oh, it might course. be worth talking about that. So, in addition to uh, there being a series of hanging lampshades, there's also the iris, which Martin has been overseeing. We we've been putting up today. I've um, I've just come come from putting up this iris, which is a um, essentially four cloths that all have to move in different directions away from each other to do windows around the back of the of the stage, um, which has been been quite complicated to to put in. Um, and to work out exactly where Susanna wants all of these windows to appear on the psych behind the um, stage. Is it the sort of thing that keeps you awake at night, wondering whether they're all going to appear at the right time? <laughs> uh, closer than you think to that, I think. it. Um, <laughs> definitely on the tube on the way home, you sort of sit there going, oh my God, how, how am I going to get this done? Susanna's in at two o'clock tomorrow. <laughs> Sorry gotta, about it's, that, Martin. It's got to all be done. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we've got such good support here at the school, it's always going to get done and... Um, Simon Bond, um, my lecturer, he's um, he'll be down there now, looking, um, checking it all over, making sure it all works. It's a wonderful system in the theatre. We saw it the other day, and it was uh, it was really, really fantastic. And one of only two in the country that that work like that way. Uh, that we're the way? only um, the only drama school in the country with with an automated house. Um, fully automated house. Yep, everything everything is on the press of a button, which is really lovely. Mm. Brilliant. No more weights and sandbags and things. Um, I was going to ask um, Liam. It's your job as chief electrician. Do you mind just telling us a bit about what that involves? Because obviously it's a bit more than sort of putting plugs in things. Which uh, yeah, most it's a little think bit. of as electricians. Yeah, my my main role really is to support the lighting designer in implementing his design. Really, um, so it's my job to make sure that we've got all the right colour for his lanterns. Make sure we've got all the right lanterns. Make sure that when we come to like ordering cable, we've got enough cable. That everything in the venue's there, ready to to go for when we start fit up. Um, like Martin, I'm working on uh, True Dead Kiss and the opera as well, so um, I, I've had a bit of a balancing act trying to get the other two shows up and running and, and dealing with the same sort of problems. Um, but yeah, my key role is really supporting the designer in, in being able to get his design up and sort any issues out for him, so he can just concentrate on getting down and, and making it look as, look as good as possible, really. And you're a third-year technical theatre student, Liam. Yeah. Um, that's quite a niche role, isn't it, chief electrician? Uh, presumably, when you started the course, you weren't you sort of swaying towards doing that, but is it something that you fall into or something you realise throughout the course? Um, well, when I first started the course, my, my ambition was lighting design, really. That's really what, what I wanted to go into. Um, but as the, as the course progresses, you find out that um, you do really need to do a little bit of everything and uh, understanding how 
the other side of it works, how the how the fit up side of it works, and how you implement a design is is a really important thing. Um, and I've really really enjoyed uh, the challenges that go around fitting up a design that I don't usually have to deal with myself. Um, we've had to do some really interesting things. Um, flying the coolie shades was one of them. Um, and we've also got some fibre optics that come in at a certain point in the show. Um, and it's doing stuff like trying to source them and work out how we're going to w- work and how they're going to work and how we're going to make sure that everything works together, how we're going to make sure that they can fly in properly and all that sort of stuff, dealing with people like Martin and uh, James, the production manager, just to try and make sure that everything everything works properly and make sure everyone's happy. It's a, an interesting role. It sounds really, really interesting. Um, I thought that we should come on to the director because um, he can't be here today uh, for good reason, I'm sure. It's Wynne Jones, who is a, a, obviously a legend at the Guildhall School. And um, in his absence, I thought we'd just talk a bit about him. Um, so Frankie and Ed, um, What's it like working with Wynne Jones, the legend? It's wonderful, actually. I think we're, we're very lucky um, to have Wynne for our first third year show because, well, because he knows us very well and um, he understands all the training that we've been through. Um, and so there's a certain um, bridge into this show, which means that we understand the way he works and he knows us and therefore we can just sort of get on with it and get down to doing, doing the play as best we can. Mm. In our second year, we were directed by Wynne for uh, a text project where we did, uh, again, a double bill of another Rattigan piece and a priestly play. And for most of us, it was the first time we'd been directed by Wynne since coming to Guildhall. We obviously have classes with him, but uh, as a director, um, the second year project was the first time we encountered him. And he has a wonderfully meticulous way of working that it's it's about deconstructing the text and really understanding every word and why the writer has chosen that specific word and the journey and musicality of of a piece as a whole and coming into that second year project because it is it's such a um a demanding process that that win has it took us a while to, to get our heads around it, I'll be honest with you, um, because it, it is just, it's different to, to what a lot of us were used to. I mean, we were, we were fortunate enough to have him last year, so coming into this, there's just a level of comfort and confidence that I think Wynne has in us and that we have in him and his process now. He gets results, there is no doubt about that. And he chooses wonderful plays. Yes, he does. Consistently wonderful plays. And sometimes it's sometimes they are well known. So I've worked with him a few times, and a couple of times I've known the play that that, or the, at least the story, the historical background to something that he's presented me with. And then uh, another time he'll present you with something that you've never heard of, and it will be an absolute gem, a stone cold gem. He has flawless taste in plays, I think. Yeah, I feel very privileged because he has actually said that he didn't think that Ratkin could be done with this age group. Um, drama school students until he did that project with us in um, January and so I feel very privileged that we're doing these Rat- this Rattigan play which is just an absolute masterpiece why, why do you think he said that? that he didn't think that drama school students could do Rattigan plays is it too mature for drama school students? obviously not about, anymore I don't know about too mature there is 
They're very sophisticated. There's a depth to Rattigan's pieces that is almost incomprehensible. He just manages to... I mean, this is one hour odd, one act play. And on the surface, you think, well, it's it's set in a, um, a living room, a schoolmaster's living room, and he's visited by a pupil. He's about to retire. And Rattigan manages to just fill every line with so much that you almost wonder where where do you begin with this? The clever thing with hair is that, you know, structurally it's very different to Browning in that Browning is one continuous act. Hair gives us 12 scenettes almost. And as Susanna said, we're sort of chopping and changing between locations. And the dialogue is much snappier because that's just how we speak nowadays um, rather than 1948. But he, I, I do think Hare manages to get in most of the depth that Rattigan effortlessly just fills his pieces with. Wynne is fantastic in if, if you really mean every word you say, those issues will be confronted. The Browning version in particular has been made into a film twice. Once in 1951 with Michael Redgrave and again in 1994 with Albert Finney and Michael Gambon. Does it feel like it's a hard act to follow as, as actors or do you just sort of not, uh, not care about those? Everyone's version of anything will always be unique, so there's no point in kind of comparing yourself to, to the greats. Yeah. I suppose it's the same with all the all the Shakespeare's that have ever been done. They've all been played well, exactly. by the greats. You know, you can't mm. compare yourself to those every time you step on stage, can you? But it, it is maybe a testament to you know how brilliant a play it is that those great actors are you know wanted to take on this role. Um, and just a final question, and uh, then I'll let everybody go. Um, it's your first public ticketed performance for the school was finding your actors how do you feel about that now people are going to be paying to come and come and see you <laughs> very <laughs> excited really <laughs> excited yeah really excited and does everyone else agree obviously you're, you're going to be doing the doing the show as te- technical sort of crew so part of that pressure is on you as well I guess yeah we we're we're meticulous as well with what we do we we spend a lot of time making sure it all works so um the, we do feel the pressure as well, but we 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 love it. We all do. So you're, be, you're, you're behind the scenes sweating away. Yeah, <laughs> yes, no, definitely. It's it's a good moment because it's a it's a long process for all of us. I mean, Win and I started work on this months ago, but actually, just as a team, we've been working. By the time we present it, we'll we'll have been working on it for weeks. The whole point is to then offer it up to people, and that feels like for me, that always feels like lift off. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the theatre doesn't exist without an audience. It's kind of mm. they're the last vital component that you need. You know, for the last two years of the training, you know, we haven't really had that. Everything's in house, um, so I think it's wonderful that we're finally opening our doors to be able to share it with with anyone who wants to come. Mm. Brilliant, and I, I certainly will be coming, and I'm really excited to see you guys and sort of see the the productions you've been working on. So uh, let me thank you for your time today. Thanks for coming in. And um, wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks to all of our cast and crew today and to all of our listeners at home. You can find more information and buy tickets for South Downs and the Browning version online at gsmd.ac.uk.